Did you have a good Independence Day? We're very thankful. I was thinking on the day of Independence Day, as I do every year, I'm so thankful to live in the United States of America. I really am. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for the good old red, white, and blue. Amen? But I'm also thankful that this is temporary for me. And I'm also cognizant and realize that not everybody gets to live in this great country. And I realize no matter what type of country or space that you live in, the most important thing is the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Who's thankful for the blood of the cross that Cindy sung about this morning? So thankful for it. We're going to jump right into the message today. We are on week two of the Faith Flex. I'll tell you ahead of time, if you miss, that's on you. Next week, my mom is going to be preaching the third part of this. My mom is a wonderful communicator of the word of the Lord. You have grown, many of you, from her ministry. You will benefit from it next weekend. So you will want to be here as we go into week three uh, next weekend. We are in the faith flex. Can you just say it with me? The faith flex. And I think more than ever before in the day and age that we live in as believers and as Christians, we need to be so acquainted with the resources offered to us in the invisible world. They're like, what? Like, no, no, do, 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 do. What are you talking about? Let me say it again. I believe in this day and age, in the world that we live in, that it is important, I'll say paramount, that believers are acquainted with resources that are offered to them in an invisible world, in an invisible space, in a space that you cannot see, in a space that your ears cannot always hear. We have the opportunity, as I broke out in week one, we have the opportunity of flexing a lot. And I talked in week one about what flexing is. It's when we use a social media platform or even our lives to really leverage something that really shows we've been blessed in an area, right? That's what flexing is. And I think all of us would agree that there's a lot of flexing that goes on in our culture today. Amen? I mean, we see it everywhere. It's hard to even dodge. Flexing is making what you have known. Making sure no one misses it. See it because I want you to. That's what flexing is. And we flex a lot today. One may flex. I'll go into a few. One may flex where they live. They might live in a certain zip code with a really large home. And and they thought, hey, let me flex it. They might flex what they drive. An, An individual might flex their last workout routine. Hey, look what I did. Uh, have you ever lifted weights? Any of the guys ever lift the weights and your biceps swell up a little bit? They don't look like that all the time. But after you lift, they do, right? But, but we flex things like this. We might flex. I talk about this. We might flex the fact that we, we met a movie star in the airport, right? Woohoo! It's awesome. For a lot of people, it is. It's like he's standing right over there. Right over there. No, go. Right. Let's go get a picture. Let's. We flex these things. We might flex our last or latest fine dining experience. Uh, Maybe you've been able to one-up the world, needed a place and a space where nobody else can. We can flex these things. And although every picture that we post and everything that we live out, I'm not saying is flexing. I'm just saying there's a lot of it going on. And I am saying that when we are flexing and showing off to our people groups what we have or what we want to make known... It's not necessarily bad 
but I find that it really benefits our lives little. It's kind of like a bag of chips. Have you ever had a bag of chips? You're like, I'll eat three or four. And you open it up and that salty, crunchy texture mixed with some additives for sure that makes sure you won't eat three or four. You blaze through a bag and you want another bag. But do you know that bag of chips? Most chips, most of us would eat, supports the body very little, if at all. Right? And I find... In the body of Christ, sometimes we walk around and we state, well, I don't have time. I would do that if I had time. I would do this. I would step out my gifting and I had time. I would minister to the community if I had time. I would reach out at work if I had time. I would take somebody to lunch. I would go out after service if I have time. But don't we spend a whole lot of time watching a lot of people do little that has no eternal value at all? And we could say where they went, what they drive, what they wear, what they ate for all three meals but it does nothing to grow our faith. It does nothing to support the nutritional value of our spiritual lives. And can you shout out this morning if any of you need some good spiritual nutrition in your life? It's not necessarily bad, but if we're not careful, we will bank far too many hours looking at everybody else's life, which is mostly the good part of their life, and we have not grown ourselves in the ways of the Lord. Our life lens is often, even in the body of Christ, so locked into what is visible to us in a tangible world. And who believes this morning there's way more than what this life has to give? And this message will take us there. I, I believe there, there's two words that I like, or two phrases that I like to stay calibrated in my own life. I believe that dream drift and hope shift happens in our lives when we attempt to create things out of a substance in the visible world. Watch this. Dream drift or hope shift oftentimes happens, and it can be very frustrating, when we attempt to create things out of the substance that is available to us in a visible sphere Yet we avoid or neglect what is in available to us in an invisible world. And we're going to go there today and we're going to look at a few things. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. If you were with us on week 1, you'll remember this verse. If you live in the Bible often, you will know this verse. It's a pretty popular address, Hebrews 11, kind of a faith chapter. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Does anyone in this room want a good testimony when you appear before the Lord? The way that you have a good testimony is to walk here on earth the journey of faith. Look at your neighbor and say the faith flex. Faith, you can write this down if you want to. It's my belief. I, I believe as a Christian, I believe that faith is the sixth sense for the believer. You say can you break that down, Brian? Yes, I can. I believe that faith is the sixth sense to the believer. Faith tells the eyes. It tells the ears. It tells the nose. It tells the hands. It tells the mouth. You'll eventually catch up with what I see. It's a sixth sense. 
It goes beyond the tactile functions of these extremities and things in our life that can touch it, see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, feel it. Some of us want to use those things as the start of our faith, and it's not. Faith starts in an invisible world, and we can learn so much from this faith chapter. It's the sixth sense of the believer. Faith, faith says this. It says this to the body. This is what faith, Brian's faith says to the body. What is not tangible to you right now, James Brian Kitchen, what is not tangible to you right now will manifest out of an invisible world, out of an invisible space by faith. Some of us just want to live in the tangible and touchable here. We even call that faith. If I can see it and touch it, it'll be faith. No, it won't. It'll be what you have. But that sixth sense takes us so much farther than it's by faith. Things are manifested out of an invisible world. Faith doesn't help me see it. Some of us are like, yeah, faith, it, it really helps me see it. It doesn't necessarily help us see it. Faith looks beyond the attributes of this physical world, and it peers or peeks into the realm where there are invisible substrates. And in that realm of the invisible, eventually faith produces a desired hope. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Did you know this? Faith perceives the life of a believer. Faith perceives as real fact what is currently invisible. If you have faith, you perceive by fact that the invisible thing will be made visible to you. No, not really, Brian. That's not how it works for me. Well, what are you believing for that you don't want to see visible? You got a wayward kid? You are believing by faith it's an invisible realm. You can't follow them and hold their hand all the time. Who learned that a long time ago? You are believing in an invisible realm. You are standing by faith, and it is locked into your mind. Although you can't see it, in this realm of faith, it is there, although I cannot see it yet. So I'm not just reaching for the stars. I'm reaching into an invisible world that God has for me. I like to say it this way. Faith is looking into God's design factory. Who's ever been to like a big warehouse of furniture or a big warehouse of things and it's almost overwhelming? Who's ever been shopping at a shopping center? There's no way you could get to it all in a half a day or a day. Joy and I have been to a few, not many. Um, that thins out your wallet really quickly. And it's just not necessarily our thing. But think about this. Think of a warehouse with unlimited things. Think of God's miracles being the design factory for the believer. That in that invisible realm, I can go there and I can perceive it as real fact, even though it's currently invisible to me. Who's ready for the faith flex this morning? Who's ready to look far past and hear far past what you can see with your own eyes, hear with your own ears, touch with your own hands? Smell with your own nose, taste with your own mouth. Who's ready to go there this morning? It's how in Hebrews 11, 2, that the elders obtained a good testimony. I, I have learned this throughout life. If you want to make it and be blessed until the end and endure until the end, study the elders. If you want to make it, shall I say this? I'm going to. 
if you want to make it and be blessed and endure until the very end, do not study the modern church. Study the elders. I am not saying that there are not different ways in which we live. There are not cultures and different styles. I'm not saying all that, but I get sick of all that jargon. I want to also say this today under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and I believe that I'm saying this timely. We have used the word legalism far too much today in the American society. Oh, oh yeah, that's legalistic. I would never, I, there's no, I'm not going to live by that. That's legalistic. And I'm almost confused in my own brain because if you would go to the Bible, it says it right there. Oh, we don't do that in our church. Man, that's legalism. Be careful. Be aware that we are not replacing what we call legalism as the standard of God's holy word. Be ye holy as I am holy. Not some gray areas for my family. Not, yeah, buddy, it's, it's, you can push the envelope here. You can push it. You don't, you don't really have to be that full of God. You, let's look at two paths. And I'm off on a tangent right now. I'm off on a trail under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There is a wide road, and I'm speaking to some fathers and mothers in here. There, there is a wide road that leads to destruction. And there is a small path that leads to eternal life. I'm speaking to Merrimack Kites Church. Make a choice on what road you want your family to follow. Make a choice. Make, make a decision through Christ. I want to jump in this morning as Hebrews 11 lays out this pattern for us. It lays out a model for us. Now, the Bible can lay out a pattern and a model for us, but we have to choose if we're going to flex that pattern or not, right? We have to choose if I'm going to flex a cultural standard or if I'm going to flex a kingdom standard. And the Bible does this and helps us with that as we study Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to go quickly into the testimony of Abel. Everybody say Abel. He is our character today, and our text will be Hebrews chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. It says this in Hebrews 11, 3 and 4. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I like to really slow down in scripture when I'm, when I'm studying, and I like to ask myself simple questions like this. How were the worlds framed? Okay, The wor worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are not seen, or which are seen, thank you, were not made of things which are visible. It's not how God made things. By faith, Abel, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Anybody want to live righteous? God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Now, if we were to sit here and we were to start re removing drywall or sheetrock off the wall, what would happen is you would see kind of the bones of this structure. You would see a lot of two-by-fours, right? And, and what you would see is you would see the framing up of this building. When God went to frame up the world, he didn't reach for a two-by-four. There weren't any. He didn't reach for a piece of steel that could be fabricated and tempered. That, that, that's not what he reached for. He didn't reach for stone. God took out of nothing and began to create in the invisible world. 
And I want to remind you, Merrimack Heights Church, you have the same God living on the inside of you. Don't get distracted by the visible world. Think of layer upon layer. Even the heavens as we study them, they are layered. We see a first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. God in this invisible world creates. He framed up the worlds with his word. We're so quick to create things out of the things that we see other than say, God, what do you want to do through the invisible things that I can't see? What do you want to frame up through me and in me, God, for your sake and for your glory? Meaning this, another way I like to look at it, and I believe that this is biblically constant, everything that man has created, good and bad, started with God. Ladies, gentlemen, look at the gold on your finger. Started with God. White gold, gold, gold. (laughs) Onyx, diamond, sapphire. Faux, fake, real. Started with God. It started out of the reality that he created the world. Polyester, started with God. Leather, started with God. Everything man creates, both good or bad, started with the root of God. The word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Now, Think about this for a moment. A bodybuilder will flex his muscle, revealing the work that he has put in. He or she, I should say. And the church said, Amen. is that a true statement or an untrue statement? I had an uncle that used to come up to me. He has since gone on to be with the Lord. But he would always come up to me when I was younger. And it was fascinating when I was a kid. And he'd come up to me, and he would put this arm behind his bicep. And he would pull it into his body so that his bicep grew. I was like, man, Uncle Marvin's got some big arms. I'm like, you think you ever have an arm like that? You think you ever have an arm? And then I would walk away. What would he do? He'd move it. I'll call it the faux flex. Not the bow flex. The faux flex. It's a, face fle- it's a false flex. It's the reality that I've used something else to leverage what I'm really not. And that I really didn't put the work in. But it's a fake piece of that. Sometimes in the world, we can offer, even in the church, a faux flex. It's fake. I mean, it sounds good. It even looks really good. But I really haven't put in the work for that thing to be living out of my life by faith right here, right now. As a kid, I remember that. And I was just, I love that. It was an illusion, That little bicep growth was an illusion that a funny uncle of mine, and trust me, he was, uh, would use and stuck out in my mind as a kid. Thinking through that, I I never want faith to be illusional in my life. Do you? I, I never want to flex that I can walk through any situation and then when I'm behind closed doors, whine all the time because, God, why can't you see me? I I never want to flex in a life group that I've got it all together and then behind closed doors when I really need faith and when I really need to hold on to it, lock into my prayer life. I don't want the content to absorb or outweigh the reality that I got to work out the thing that we've been studying and the church shouted, amen. 
This is not a fake thing or a faux thing. This is a real thing. And the Bible says that it was by faith that Abram offered a more excellent sacrifice to the Lord. Look at Hebrews 11:4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts as through it, as through being dead, still speak. So I want us to go into a few of the details of this by faith sacrifice made by Abel. Somebody say the faith flex. Not only was Abel's sacrifice acceptable to the Lord while he was living, it was acceptable to the Lord upon his death. I I am fascinated by this, and to really understand it, we have to go back in the story, and we will in just a moment. But I want you to look at the character Abel. His sacrifice, his gift, his offering did not just speak while he was living. It spoke through his death. And we can track this. It's not hard to to trail it. If we go to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, just let me read it. Now, Adam and Eve, and now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. So can I ask you a question? Adam and Eve's first son was who? Cain. So I'm, I'm teaching you my Bible process. Okay, Adam and Eve had a baby. Okay, had a boy. Boy, it was a man child. We'll see that. It was Cain. And said, I have required a man from the Lord. Somebody say, man child. I have four girls and one boy. I prayed for my man child. And God sent the man child. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Let's see, what was Abel's occupation? Keeper of the sheep. So he was a sheep herder. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of, the, and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, and he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. I mean, who in this room does not like to turn in acceptable work? No one in here, unless there was really something off, Turned in something that was, yeah, it's, it's going to be a failure paper. We don't try. I'm not saying you never had one. But who likes for your work to be acceptable? But have you ever turned in something that was unacceptable? Have you ever turned in a paper to a teacher that you put a ton of work in and they're like unacceptable? And if they didn't have the confidence to face you that way, the red marks on the paper said enough unacceptable. Have you ever been in this environment before where two people or a group of people turn things in and, and one thing was accepted, but the other thing was rejected? I had a hope of being valued. I had a hope of being appreciated, but one thing was accepted and another rejected. This is what we can find here so far. Cain worked the ground. Abel worked the sheep. They present an offering unto the Lord. Cain's is not accepted. Abel's is accepted. Keeper of the ground, not accepted. Sheep herder, accepted offering. Is everybody tracking the story? And I want to be very, very, very careful to to pull from Scripture what is not in Scripture. 
I think we always need to do that when we're, we're teaching the word and the church said, amen. I think we can use analogies. I think we can use models. I think we can use stories. But we also need to verify when it's thus says the Lord and when, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm modeling something. So when we look through this, I, I want us to stay very clear and concise and locked into the text. We're not, we're not breaking out as a group lexicons and commentary and all this right now. We're just going to kind of stay with the pure text in English form and, and a few word studies that I've taken the time to do that will keep us on track. But I want to say this. We must be careful not to pull things out of Scripture that are, not out of, that, that are out of context and then live by them and think we're okay. It's very dangerous. And in this, I believe that I am rightly dividing the word of truth. We've got one brother working the flock. We have another brother working the ground. This is by far from what I see. This is not some competitive moment that God has set up. Who's ever competed with your brother? This is not like some arm wrestling match that God wants to say, who can win between Cain and Abel? It's of far greater significance. This is not a competitive moment for these men. It's not a moment for us to evaluate what type of offering do we think God was looking for? And I've heard many people try to break it down. I see none of that in God's word that we can find out for sure. If God said, hey, Brian, I want you to bring an offering of time. Okay, watch this. If God said for me to bring an offering of time and he required that of me and I write a big fat check and say, here, God, can somebody testify? I have not been pleasing to the Lord. It's not what he asked for. We're not going to take today to emphasize what God was asking for because I really believe this. No one knows. It doesn't map it out. It doesn't show exactly. And all throughout Scripture, there were types of offerings. Grain offerings and fruit offerings and animal offerings. There were all types of different offerings used. But I, I can't try to force something into a model that I don't see here. Does everybody understand that? So I want to be real careful on this. The one thing that we do know, and we don't have to overemphasize it or try to leverage it or make it into a story, we do know this much. One of these offerings was for sure acceptable by God, and the other one was rejected. We know that much about the story. And I think in my own life, and I hope that you would graduate to this with me today, I want to graduate to a thought perspective and to a paradigm in my life where I do not think that just laying an offering down in the presence of the Lord is enough. We believe here as a church that God will evaluate scripturally, that he will look at three areas of our life when we stand before him. We believe that that will be the gift of time, the gift of talent, the gift of treasure. All of them different gifts, but we believe that they work together in synergy and harmony to make a full gospel believer. Meaning that I must, from the word of God, give of my time, give of my talent, give of my treasure. All very important to the Lord. So you will see that in my life. I will give of my time. I will give of my talent. I will give of my treasure. The measure won't be the same for all of us, but we all need to be presenting offerings unto the Lord. Amen? So as we go through this, we've got one person that's, that's given an offering. God's not pleased. Another one that he is pleased. We want to graduate from the perspective 
that to think that I just give an offering of any category, walk away from it, and that's enough, we would not be biblically sound. Because we are accountable to the offerings that we give. In this text, we see that God can accept an offering and God can reject an offering. Oh, pastor. It's funny that you'd say that. He's accepted all of mine. Well, then, my friend, when you appear before the Lord in the judgment, there are different types of judgment. When you appear before the Lord in the judgment and it's to look at your life and and how it lined up and, and what he asked you to do on this earth, the Bible says that some of the things, some of the works that you've done will burn away. Because the motive was off. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and dance in the spirit. But who's ever given a, a, an offering that the motive was impure? God can accept or reject your offering. I'm not the evaluator of that. But, but I can't just, okay, I have done my deed. We've got to go on. Offerings can be given and not accepted. This is what happens in the story of Cain and Abel. One thing we can be clear of in this story I should say another thing, is that Abel offered up this offering to God by faith. Everybody in the room, say, by faith. Say the faith flex. Can I ask you a question this morning? Do you offer up your offerings by faith? Is it a by faith offering? Whatever those offerings are. I'm not talking about the one that you may have dropped in a white bucket today. That's, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about your offerings unto the Lord. Do you offer them by faith? It is not a competitive story that I'm looking at, but I want to use another C word that I think is very important. And we saw this happen in the New Testament too with the widow's might. It is not a competitive story, but there's no way we can get around the re- reality that God compares. One was accepted, one was rejected. I know modern day church, I know what it is. We, we, we've got we to be really careful for people to come in. We've got to re- be really careful to pass those white buckets. I'm not judging this stuff. We needed this, we needed that. I'm not judging any of that. But giving will always be a matter of your heart. Always. So it really doesn't matter how you place it or where you put it. The people that are going to fund the kingdom in a biblical way will do that in a biblical way out of a cheerful heart as unto the Lord, pleasing to the Father in time, talent, and treasure. And the church shouted, amen. God compares. I, I see him offset from the treasury, from, from the, the, the box is really what it would have looked like. And, and individuals are walking in. Some really high ups are walking in. They are dropping some bank in the deal. And all of a sudden, the widow walks in. She throws in her mites. And who does the Lord bring leverage to? Be like her. Not, not like, like this, the tassels, the nice things, and not like, be like this. It, it was a story of comparison. In this process of comparison, the Bible says that Cain becomes angry and his countenance changed. Has anyone in this room ever had a shifting of countenance? No one? You were happy, and now you're angry. Can I say this? Watch the shifting of countenance. You were jovial. You were happy. Now you're living sad. May I say it again? Watch the shifting of countenance. You were boisterous. You were loud for God. You were out there. Now I'm just 
back it up just a little. Just, just a little. Just, just to watch the shifting of countenance in your life. It's an important note to this story. It's one that we cannot bypass. It's one that we cannot get around. We understand not only did Cain have the shift of countenance, a downcast, which, which is equivalent to I'm looking pretty confident now. Now I'm looking at the ground. Has anybody ever become so angry you just had to walk away and look away? Who's had to grit your teeth hard because you were so angry? Who's had to grit your teeth and say, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. With your mouth shut. I'm not going to say it. 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 We're going to stay in this root right here. It's kind of like the dentist hitting a nerve. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to show you, but beware of the shifting of a countenance. Because the church should always have confidence in God, not the shifting of countenance. Now, yeah, last week it was awesome. I know I'm going through something right now. Uh, yeah, it's okay to be going through something and need prayer, but there's not a changing. There's not this shift. There's not a from this to that. There, there is a, a, a solid walk that we take. We need to be very, very careful with our emotions. We need to keep our emotions under control and managed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? The shifting of countenance. We've all had those moments. I'm quite sure we won't testify of them today. Genesis 4, 6, and 7. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? You ever had somebody ask you, what are you so angry for? God says it to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, he's speaking to Cain, keeper of the ground. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Another translation says sin crouches at the door. I get the picture of kind of a panther ready to pounce on me. Who's ever had one of those moments in your life? If you do well, sin if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And then God defines it. And its desire is for you, Cain. He, he breaks down the, the, the theme. This is what sin wants to do. It's waiting at the door. Its desire is for you. And then he tells Cain this. You, but you should rule over it. Wouldn't you like every time you had a situation in your life, a tempting situation, for God to walk in front of you and just flex his power and that temptation to run from you? And who's ever had that happen? No. God's power is working on the inside of you and every time you are tempted, the Bible says in the New Testament, a way of escape has already been set in place. And if you study a way of escape, it's an escape hatch. It, it's the, it's the musician, the, the mu magician, not musician. The magician who is standing in front of 2,000 people and the blanket goes over him and he's gone. How many of you know no one can disappear? And if you can disappear, who knows you're carrying the wrong spirit? I'm talking about in the physical world. That escape hatch allows that magician to be downstairs having coffee right now, and you don't even know he's in an invisible world. It was false. It was fake. But when you are tempted, when things are coming against you, God has already created an escape hatch, and the church shouted, Amen. And that is not fake, and that is not faux. The only thing you have to do is say, hey, I want to go ahead and walk through this door. 
And every time, God will deliver you if you allow him. Cain had the same flex opportunities as his brother Abel. He could have flexed the right offering before the Lord. He had the same deal. So, so many times we start being competitive in the church. Well, if I had what they had, I would this too. If I had what they had, I would this too. If I live where they live, I, if I had the time they had, I... Oh, come on. Who are you kidding? Look at your own life and start really breaking that down on how disciplined you are with the things God has called you to. Because you, my friend, can do exactly what the Lord told you to do. It is not on anybody else. This Cain can't blame Abel or his, the first parents because they didn't have the right model. You can't do any of that because all this is on Cain. Had the same opportunities. It's almost like somewhere in the story, Cain is, is presenting that false muscle, right? It's almost like somewhere in the story he's bringing. I don't believe that he brought something to the Lord that he thought the Lord was going to reject. I think he brought something to the Lord that he thought the Lord would look over or he thought, hey, this is, this is, my, this is, this is my best. I, I, I believe that that is what he brought. I'm not 100% sure. I think it probably looked pretty good on the outside. Who's ever looked pretty good on the outside? Oh, we're having church this morning. The worship was fun, right? Who's ever looked really, really, really good on the outside? Who's ever looked really, really spiritual on the outside? Isn't it amazing that spirituality can have a look to the church? Oh, they just, they seem so spiritual. Wow, they just, how, how can someone seem so spiritual? And what does it mean to be spiritual? There's a lot of spiritual stuff out there I don't want to tap into, but I do want to be like Jesus. I don't always hit the mark, but I sure do want to try and strive and be who Christ has called me to be. God said, if you do well, Cain, you're going to be accepted. And if not, I'm just going to give you the reality and break down the process. Sin is waiting at the door, and it's desirous for you, and you must rule over it. Another translation says you must master your sin. Not with your own ability. Some of you have tried that, messed up again. Some of you tried it again. Do it your own way. The same ten times again you messed up. Who's ever lost count of how many times you messed up and you're like, okay, God, I just accept your grace and your mercy and the blood of the cross. Can we please do this your way now, God, and receive victory over time, over counsel, over love? So it's important that we see what's happening. It's important that we don't flex faith and not put in the work. It's important that we're working on the thing that's trying to rule over us or master us. It's important that we, that we, here's the reality. What you don't prepare for, you won't be ready for it when it arrives. You can flex it as much as you want. But if you don't put the time in when the challenge comes, faith is not going to come out of you unless you put faith into you. When, when the temptation comes, unless you put faith into you, I could just tell you right now, if you didn't prepare for it, God already said it's going to eat you alive at the door. But if you've prepared for it, when it comes, you can see it, right? You can say, see that panther over there? Not going to pounce on me. God, I need your strength working in me and moving in me and living in me. Cain was so angry. What was he so angry for? It's like you want to say, Cain... Can you just please the Lord? It's very easy for us to get into that mode of if Cain would just please the Lord. But who in here has ever walked not pleasing to the Lord? If, if Brian would just please the Lord. Insert your name, please. So it's not all on me. 
in this area of Brian's life, in this area of Cain's life, if he would just please the Lord and watch this, be careful of this, and be like his brother Abel. No. If Cain would just please the Lord and if Abel would just please the Lord and if Adam and Eve would just please the Lord, if Brian would just please the Lord, insert your name, if we would just please the Lord. Let me just say this. With the offering comes the faith of doing the right thing. You can't just present your offering and walk away from it and be faithless. I can't just present my offering today unto the Lord, walk away from it. I think you would agree with me as a church and just do what I want this week. By faith, a good report was obtained by these men. It, I know it's easy to talk about difficult to live out. Amen. Cain, why, why are you so angry? Got to be careful of just throwing down the offering and walking away, whatever that looks like. Let me ask you this. What are you flexing after you walk away from your offering? Faith. Lord, that was a, a, just a consecrated in my area of my life. I gave of my time unto you, Lord, and I pray that you would help me to just protect my time in those things that you want me to use my time in. Again, I pray that I would live well-pleasing unto you. Genesis 4, 8 through 10. Now Cain talked with his brother Abel, and it came to pass. We're just continuing in the story. When they were in the field. Who worked the field? Cain. Um, who worked the sheep? Very good. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Remember when God was questioning him before? God wasn't asking him the question because he didn't know the answer. God's smarter than that. God knew the answer. He was giving him a chance to respond correctly. Now, now Abel, I, I don't know. Am, am I my brother's keeper? I don't, I don't know where he is. Where, where's Abel, your brother? He said, I, I don't know. Isn't that amazing? He was just walking in the field with him. Isn't it amazing? He just dropped him in the field, but he doesn't know. Can you tell me how your sister, can you tell me why there is blood running out of her forehead? I don't know, Dad. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay, were you throwing rocks outside five minutes ago? I don't, I don't know, Dad. I, I, don't, I don't know. Throwing, throwing rocks up, hitting them with the deal. I don't know. But there's, Who's ever said, I don't know, when you knew? Where, where's your brother? I don't know. And he said, what have you done? And, and this is remarkable. How the word of God is attached from the old to the new. Look at this. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. You have to cross-reference that with Hebrews 11. Cain was angry. God gives him a chance to line up through a series of questions. He's out in the field. He murders his brother. He has documented the documented murderer, first murderer of the Bible. The first murderer of the Bible had many things associated to it, but one thing is this. An unacceptable offering. Hey, Jeff, if, is he around here somewhere? If you don't mind to just come here for a moment. We're going to close. I like to say land the plane. 
I want to ask this question to the church. Please be open-minded very quickly. I'll get you out of here as soon as I can. What do you flex when things don't go your way? Every man in this house, every father, not father, it's okay. Listen to me. What do you flex when things don't go your way? Every woman in this house this morning, what do you flex? What are you flexing when things don't go your way? It's a question. Abel, Cain, I'm sorry, flexed anger. Do you ever flex anger when things don't go your way? Sir, is there ever a a shift of countenance in your life, if you were to be honest? And I was just walking pretty jovial, but my countenance just shifted, and I noticed it, and my family noticed it. Those around me, that's not like you. That's not normal. What, What do you flex? Do you flex... Do you flex? We're asking questions. Do you flex jealousy? You start living jealous when things don't go your way. I start looking at somebody else and I start looking at the reality. They never have to go through nothing. They, they, I don't really know they. I haven't sat down enough with they to really know their story, but what do you flex? Do you flex jealousy or envy? I wish, I wish. I wish. I'm envious. I start coveting their stuff. What do you flex when things don't go your way? Do you manipulate? Oh, things didn't go my way. I'll get my way. Add a little bit of this over here, a little bit of this over here. We'll turn it over here. We'll say it this way. We'll do this. We'll do that. Do, Do you flex manipulation? When things don't go your way, do you flex victim mentality? I am the victim, folks. That hurt. Can I say this in love? Welcome to planet Earth. That wasn't fair. Welcome to the soil that Abel's blood is speaking out of. When things don't go your way, do you become the victim? Do you live in the cage of victimized mentality? Or when things don't go your way, do you live out the faith flex? It's the hope. God heard what I believe to be faith calling from the ground through the blood of Abel. Every way I look at it, every way I read it, I think what he hears calling from the ground is the faith of Abel. Watch this. Hebrews 11, 4. Here's the cross reference that takes us all the way back to Genesis 4. Hebrews 11, 4. Connected to, not contrasting or competing against Genesis 4, but Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks today. Isn't that amazing? The believer's faith is magnified at the point of death. Shall I say it again? Think through your theology right now, your doctrine. The believer's faith, the Christian's faith, is magnified and leveraged at the point of death. Because everything that we've been believing for and everything that we've been hoping for and all of the wrestling of the sacred text, all of the sweat, all of the blood, all of the dividing of the word to to find out, God, are we doing this your way? We are now at the point of death if we know him, starting to see him 
in visible form. I love it. Abel's life still speaks from the ground. It's more than a wonderful story. It's an incredible truth. Plain and simple in 1 John 3, 11 and 12. I think we have that scripture. Can you bring that up in the back, Matthew? 1 John 3, 11 and 12, if you have it. Watch this. Where was Cain's struggle? We find it located right here. We don't, we don't have to pull from the text what's not there. We, we find the struggle right here. For This is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And, and why did he murder him? Here's the reality. Offering all the stuff connected. Pre-offering here, here it is right here. Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. When we bring an offering unto the Lord, it is so important that our works are not evil. It is so important that our works are not wicked. It is so important that we consecrate ourselves and say, Lord, I'm bringing this unto you. But there are parts of my life that are undone. There are parts of my life that need help. These are the things that will keep us righteous. Walking in the right path with the Lord. Let me give you three simple steps for the week. I'm not going to preach on these. I'm just going to list them. Three simple steps to help you live the faith flex. If you're interested in them, jot them down. Number one, recognize life here is not eternal. The arguments and fights that might be breaking out in your house, please recognize this week, life here is not eternal. James says it's a vapor. It's here and gone. The second thing that we could do to live the faith flex is that we can hope for things with eternity in mind. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop, amen? I'm hoping with eternity in mind. And number three, I want to speak this to each of us. Not looking at one holier than the other. Letting the Holy Spirit do his work. Master the sin that tries to destroy you. Master it. It's your, it's your job. It's your responsibility through Christ to master that thing that's waiting at the door for you. Master it through the help of the Holy Spirit. Say, Brian, there's one problem. All those three things are so difficult and challenging for me even right now. How do I do this? May I say it this morning? By faith. The same way that Abel does, or the same way that Abel did. You remind your eyes, you remind your ears, you remind your nose, you remind your mouth, you remind your hands. I, I might not see it yet. And I won't see everything that I'm hoping for on this planet. But my days are more limited here than the hope for what awaits me in the invisible world. I think that's a good place to end today. Who's ready to meet Jesus?